Hi, I'm Ali Selby. I'm Matthew Kipman. And what we've done today is asked our fund managers, what is the burning issue? What's the theme? They're trying to get their arms around at the moment. It certainly will be interesting to know after a very difficult 2022. Mary, themes have been a big part of our investing in the last three years. What's the theme that's got your attention as we clock out on 2022? I would say two things. The first theme is China reopening, and not just whether they're going to reopen, but when and what the trajectory looks like and what the best stocks are in terms of risk and reward. And the second thing is the outlook for tech in the US in 2023. NASDAQ is down almost 30% in 2022. You have some of the big Fangman stocks, which have been absolutely crushed. So we're spending a lot of time debating what the outlook is for those big US tech stocks in the coming year. So I take it from that, you're bullish on the China reopening. That is a good thing. It is a very good thing, um, but you, you can't just you know, pile into anything that has to do with China. Be very specific about what stocks are going to benefit from China reopening and the timing with which they'll benefit and the timing which um, that will come through for earnings cycle. One of the most live debates we have at a team is obviously around the health of the economy, what it means for inflation, what it means for interest rates. It's an active debate. 2022 was hugely unpredictable and we have to assume 2023 will be as well. Our central case, though, is for the Australian economy, it's a soft landing. And it's a soft landing because the economy was strong going into it. Interest rates have gone up eight times, but that's been reasonably well absorbed by the economy and by the consumer. A lot of lead indicators have inflation going down. Commodity prices are still strong. Yeah. So you put that together, our view is it's a soft landing for the Australian economy, and it's actually a good environment for, uh, for business, and it's actually a good environment for equities. But what about the labour market? There have been acute labour shortages, but it's worth understanding the root cause. The root cause was the economy was growing too quickly and immigration ceased or net immigration ceased during lockdowns during COVID. As you project forward, both those things are actually starting to reverse. The borders are open, the economy is slowing down, it's taking heat out of the labour market. So there's no doubt that there will be inflationary wage increases. Um, so you need to own the businesses that have got pricing power. Because if you've got pricing power and you can pass that through to consumers without denting demand, you're well positioned. I must say, this is normally the most exciting time of the year because our team just start thinking about what to do for the next 12 months. Now, the, right now, the key theme is really how do we play this China reopening? Um, you know, China clearly is going through uh, its slow reopening phase and how do we take advantage of it? Um, you know, clearly directly invest in China. Equity will be fantastic, but, uh, you know, with a domestic portfolio, how do we gain leverage to it? The road ahead is going to be a little bit bumpy, um, like what we have seen in so many other economies when they reopen uh, but uh, you know with with this one we know it's coming um, and uh, there there is a few sectors um, you know that we're thinking that potentially would do quite well when this reopening does take place it does bode pretty well for the resources companies um, look at you know but initially obviously the reopening will means initial demand might be still very slow to recover uh, but net net it will be quite positive for sentiment for the commodity space um, as and, in iron ore or uh, which commodities in particular oh uh, look i think it's probably more towards the you know the copper iron ore will, ha will have a good support over there um, and um, across a few other uh, names will be pretty good as well there are three things I think you've got to do with the market. You've got to get the market right. People always come at it, they're after stocks, but you've got to get the market right, sector themes right, stocks right. So we're debating the market. And I can't tell at this point in time whether we are in a new bull market as policy aggression peaks in the US and inflation peaks, or whether we're in a rally in a bear market. 
So that's where we are. We have just topped out at the perfect resistance line if we're in a bear market. So it looks like, we're like we've had a rally in a bear market rather than a new bull market. So we're wondering whether we should be in the market. I think you now turn your attention to earnings because this year has been one of those macro years where stocks have all been thrown in a bundle and they've been traded around with what's going on in rates. But I think, you know, as hopefully we're getting pretty close to the peak of the rate cycle now, you start in 2023 to see what damage that's done to industries, to different companies' profitability. And you also think about like what the market's expecting and has the market overcompensated potentially for the damage. So I think earnings are always important, but next year they're going to be more than ever. You sound a little bit more optimistic than the rest of the market on earnings. Yeah, I, I think I am. Like, I, you know, we've just gone through the AGM season and to me, you know, most of the companies we've got reaffirm guidance. I mean, guidance is broad or a bit conservative probably at the moment. The mini little reporting season we saw, I thought was pretty good. So for now, earnings are holding up to me quite well. You know, next year, the proof's going to be in the pudding and it, a lot of it will depend on when this rate cycle finally hits. But I'm, I'm, I think I'm just a bit more positive maybe than the market sort of feeling about it. Yeah, so from our point of view, we've been talking for quite some time now about decarbonisation, um, pretty much since 2018. Uh, and if anything, everything we talked about then has actually accelerated in the last, in the last 12 months. So one, Europe's been in an energy crisis and, and what are the consequences of Europeans' energy crisis? And two, the US has passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which basically gives you more than a decade of support for the energy transition. It's really the most ambitious energy transition plan in the world. Um, so from our point of view, we're trying to find the benefits, beneficiaries of that. We think it's a long-term trend and it's a new area. Even though we've been looking at it for four years, it's still new and we're basically spending a lot of time trying to find the biggest winners out of those areas. Andrew, in your job, you get to look right around the world and at everything. What's the theme or the topic you're trying to get your arms around right now? Well, look, the big theme, it's not just for now, but for the next decade, is going to be the energy transition, you know, the decarbonisation. And there are just so many opportunities here. And I think a lot of people, are, obviously everyone's focusing on this, it's an obvious topic, but people are very focused on the straightforward, buy solar panels, a wind farm. But there are so many more interesting areas here, a lot of the enabling technologies, semiconductors, for example. So I think this is just going to be a really rich area for investment this year and next year and, and for some time to come. Could it be a dangerous area? Could you lose money? Oh, I think there's a, it's an area where there are real winners and losers. So there are shorts to be had here. For example, we're nowhere near as optimistic as most people about the hydrogen economy. We think it's, it's fairly uh, marginal. The one thing that we're really debating for 23 is where is the pain going to be? Clearly, we've had 300 basis points moves in interest rates, so it's going to hit the consumer, as we know, but that's probably not until the second half of 23. But the other area that we're spending a lot of time on at the moment is commercial real estate. We actually think there's going to be quite a bit of pain in that area, just judging by the listed share prices of REITs at the moment, big discounts. So that actually tells you there's some pain to come in that property sector. Gold is the topic we're discussing most at the moment, um, primarily as a hedge against inflation. The challenge for us though is that being value investors, it's hard to make a case to invest in physical gold. You know, it doesn't have a coupon, it doesn't grow, you can't stick two grams of gold in a room and come back later and hope to find three. It is what it is and that's all that it is. So one way you can sort of approach that is by investing in gold companies and that's great. I don't think it's a perfect solution. What we're really looking to try and do is invest in gold companies via convertible notes. So that way we create a coupon, which is great, and we also get the upside um, when things go well and hopefully gold prices go much higher. Well, we all sit facing each other at Centennial 
And so we've got to talk to each other. And the one subject that just keeps coming up at the moment, and I don't think it's unusual to anyone, is interest rates. Where are interest rates going? What is the Federal Reserve in the US going to do? What's the Reserve Bank going to do? So if there's one subject that dominates our conversation, how high do interest rates go? We think that 2023 is going to be more about the micro than the macro. So it's going to be a return to bottom-up fundamentals. We think we're going to be talking more about things like revenue, costs and valuation and less about inflation and interest rates. So back to good old-fashioned stock picking. And within that complex, we think that areas like return on invested capital will be a really big focus for next year as businesses who can self-fund themselves will do better than those that can't. Strong balance sheets will enable businesses to complement um, any uh, organic growth with acquired growth. And we've already seen examples of that in 2022. Uh, and we're expecting more of that in the small cap universe in 2023. Most interesting thing, and we're spending a lot of time on this, is the path to decarbonisation. There is a lot of policy going on at the moment. And the ALP have come in and, and promised a sort of a 43% reduction in carbon emissions by 2030, at which point in time they'll have 82% renewable energy. And a lot of people have focused on the battery materials and we have as well. That's the first degree, but we're looking at the second degree. What happens when the price of carbon starts going up? Who are the winners, who are the losers? Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is something which we don't feel that a lot of people are focusing on. It's very topical right now because there's currently a, a review into the safeguard mechanism and a Chubb review into the ACCUs, which is the carbon credits, both which come out New Year's Eve. So it's going to be an interesting New Year's Day for us. The big topic we're discussing right now is market leadership going to 23. This year we've seen large caps outperform small caps, resources outperform industrials. But I think going into next year, I think we're going to have a bit of a change up. I think uh, small industrials in particular, that's fallen 19% year to date. I think uh, there's a lot of really good companies in that part of the market. I think that's some of the headwinds they've faced will moderate next year. I think that can do really well. So yeah, that's, that's the sort of things we're discussing for next year. Try and understand where consumer spending's at, um, how much that's going to impact corporate earnings and, and when that really starts to bite. There's four well-documented things that are impacting consumer spending, interest rates, uh, general inflation, power utility prices, and also um, the impact on, on private wealth due to the property collapse. So these things are all impacting consu uh, consumer spending. We're trying to work out exactly when that starts to bite in terms of corporate earnings. And is it just a slowdown or is it a collapse? Are you trying to work that bit out? Yeah, I think, I think we're slow walking um, off a cliff. I think that these things are very material. I think that at the moment, like the US is sort of six to nine months ahead of us. And we saw last month an increase in personal credit card debt, 15% month on month. Um, so they're still spending the same habits, but they're, they're borrowing money to do that. I think in Australia, we'll get through Christmas and I think then you'll see a dramatic change in spending habits in the new year. Well, share prices have, have moved a lot and valuations are trading at effectively 20, 20 year lows. Now the question is, is whether the economy is going to be as bad as what the market thinks it's going to be. Will um, it? Well, we don't think so. We don't think so. We think savings levels are uh, you know, very, very high. Companies have very, very strong balance sheets, a very different dynamic than what it was in the GFC. It's the point in time to actually invest in the most beaten up sectors of of the market right now that's trading at almost 20 year lows. And that's sectors exposed to the domestic economy, such as retail, property, building materials, and automotive. And we think a lot, a lot of companies that we focus on, Wilson Asset Management and small caps, are actually very well placed to navigate what's gonna be a tough environment in 2023.